Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Faith. Welcome to our Christmas at the Movies. It is exciting to be able to share with you this morning. Our pastor is just coming back from a missions trip over in Nepal, and so he's probably got a little jet lag today. Uh, anyway, he's coming back, so this is it. <laughs> I get to share with you today, and it's my privilege and opportunity uh, to do that. He will be back with us next week and be sharing with you uh, clips from the movie uh, Scrooge. But this time, this morning, we're going to be talking about using a parable in the same way that Jesus in his day used stories and parables to share truths about his kingdom. We want to take a parable today in our time called It's a Wonderful Life and share it with you to share a truth. George Bailey. Help him, dear father. Joseph, Jesus, and Mary, help my friend, Mr. Bailey. Help my son, George, tonight. He never thinks about himself, God. That's why he's in trouble. George is a good guy. Give him a break, God. I love him, dear Lord. Watch over him tonight. Please, God, something's the matter with Daddy. How many have seen that movie, It's a Wonderful Life? All right. Be sure if you haven't seen it yet, you get another copy of it and show it to some of your family and your kids and enjoy the Christmas season. Did you get your popcorn and your Coke? Good. We want you to feel at home. Feel like you're kind of at the parable uh, of the the movies as well. (laughs) It is great to talk about It's a Wonderful Life. That film started in back in 1947, I believe it was, and uh, at the time, it actually, in the beginning, it became a, it was a box office flop. But in the 70s, as they began to roll around, they brought the movie back out, began to show it, and now it has become a voted by the American Film Festival, the number one inspirational Christmas movie of all time. So we're going to talk a, bit, a little bit about the things that happened in that movie and make a parallel with those things from Scripture that Jesus would like to speak to us today. It is a wonderful life. Got a few amens there. This movie centers around a man named George Bailey, who without realizing it, he had become the most influential man in his community. He inspired people. He was the kind of guy that believed in a first, second, and even a third chance if you needed it. He wanted to help people because he wanted to give more than he was receiving back. He was a hope-filled guy, but on Christmas Eve, something changed. On Christmas Eve, he was going through a lot of difficulty. Instead of being happy, he was in despair. He was frustrated. Things were beginning to slip through his fingers. And it's at that moment of hopelessness that he meets a character named Clarence. Now, Clarence was his guardian angel who appeared to him and had a message for him. He shows him or 
presents a, a whole atmosphere of what could be or could have been or what might be. And it was all to demonstrate a message to him. Now, Clarence had something else he was trying to do too. You see, Clarence, in order to help him and help others, he explained to him that in order for him to become a full angel, he wanted to get his wings. And so every time you hear in the movie, you'll begin to hear as you watch it this coming week, every time you hear a bell ring, it meant that another angel received their wings. And so he appeals to George and says, you're going to help me, aren't you? Get my wings. So that'll come a little bit later. But he had a whole purpose here. I want to get this message to do. You know, there's something missing in our lives because we are trying to live a wonderful life, aren't we? Many of us in the midst of trying to live our lives are just like George. We're trying to map it out, trying to get things in order. You've got plans. You know how you want to succeed. You know things you want to acquire, things you want to buy, places you want to go, things you want to do. It's a long list, isn't it? And George had kind of those same things in store for his life. He began to map out things. But how many know they don't always turn out that way? We keep going and grinding and pushing and pulling and trying to make it work in our life to acquire this wonderful life, but somehow it just doesn't happen. We see other people living the life that we want to live. It's okay. We've all done it. Man, I wish I had that car. Boy, if I just... I wish I could only... And we begin to compare ourselves to them and the life that we're living and the lives that they're living. And we end up getting a warped view of what real life looks like. It's all messed up in our mind. So what does it really mean to live a wonderful life? What's really involved in that? I want to share with you some important lessons from God's Word and George's story to help you see that it's a wonderful life. First, or John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Another translation, King James says, that you might have life and more abundantly. To go beyond what you think or imagined or purposed or was desiring. The enemy comes to do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I come that you might have life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for that promise. And I pray, Lord, that through the illustrations we share from this, this film and, Lord, from your word, that we will begin to grasp that the life you have given us is something very, very, very special. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to us. Amen. Now, in order to live a wonderful life, you've got to live to give. Live to give. It's about giving. Think about it for a moment. Most of us, the one major concept we have for Christmas is getting. Not necessarily giving. It's getting. It starts with getting from the children right on up through the adults. Because we ask this question often. What are you getting? What are you getting for Christmas? What did you get for Christmas? What did you get? What are you getting? Over and over, we ask that question. How many of you have heard anybody say, what are you receiving for Christmas? <laughs> that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? It's more like, what are you getting? Almost as if, what are you grabbing for Christmas? 
You been shopping? They crowd around the counters. They rush in as soon as the doors are open. It amazes me how many people will get in line the night before. Just saying, there's a storeroom full of that stuff. <laughs> but we feel like we just got to go. You know, what are you grabbing? We're grabbing for anything we can get at Christmas time. I go to the store shopping with my wife sometimes, and, and sometimes, <laughs> uh, and they have these racks. And I've discovered the reason the clothes racks are in a circle like this, so that you, you, can't, you can't hardly get in to see what size the thing is. You got to separate them, you know? And you can always tell the guy that's been shopping with his wife a long time because he's out in the middle of the mall going this. He's been going around in his racks. <laughs> it's all about what we're getting, what we can get, what we can acquire. But instead, we need to learn to give rather than get. Acts 20, verse 35. Listen to this. This is the book of Acts. Paul, who had never met Jesus personally, didn't read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Gospels, didn't have any of that, but yet this is what he writes. Listen to this. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that ironic for Paul to write it that way? How he said, quoting Jesus, you know the rest of it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, what I believe happened there was that Jesus had been revealed in his spirit, and now Paul began to receive a message of Christmas that we should all receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. To live a wonderful life then, we need to give. Live to give what Christ has given you. You see, he's given us so much. He was revealing to us a truth about Christmas, and that is giving. Your life can't be about you. One of the mistakes we often make is when we map out our lives, everything we do is based on what I want to do, where, where I can go, what I can acquire, how I can accomplish this. Notice Jesus didn't come to give himself a rich and satisfying life. He came to give you and I a rich and satisfying life. Philippians 2 Verses 5 and 8, he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider himself equality with God, something to be used for his own, but rather an advantage. He made of himself nothing. One translation said he made of himself no reputation. It wasn't about who's going to applaud me, but rather... He said, being made in the human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christmas and the wonderful life is about giving. And Christ said, I come that you might have life and more abundantly I come, I'm giving it all, even myself. Everything about Jesus was about giving himself to others. When he healed someone, it wasn't about his healing, it was about them. When he raised someone from the dead, it was about bringing them back. When he multiplied the bread and the fish and all these different things and miracles in his life, it wasn't for his own consumption, it was for them. He came to give you life. He came to give me life. He came to give me a Christmas. 
through life. Every time he healed and gave, it was for someone else. George had a lot of dreams too. We see in the movies, you go home and watch it this week, he had a lot of dreams and things he wanted to accomplish. He wanted to go to college. He wanted to become a great architect. He wanted to design and build homes and all these things, but it wasn't happening. Instead, he saw things slip away, but yet he tried and tried and tried to give. As a kid, he gave of himself. His brother, they were out playing on the pond, and, and you'll see in the, in the film how his brother came down the hill, crossed the pond, the ice broke through, and he began to drown. And George gave of himself by jumping in, sur- surviving him, bringing him out, and lost his hearing in the process. But he was giving it himself. He later then gave of himself again because he sent his brother to college instead of going himself. The money that would have gone towards his education went to his brother. His father passed away. And instead of George going and and starting another company somewhere and traveling the world, which is something he wanted to do, instead, he takes over his father's business, a loan company, to help others find, build, and acquire homes for others. Everything was wrapped around doing what he could for somebody else. And when the Great Depression hit, the bank was about to cave in. The loan company was going to lose it all. Everything was happening. People came rushing to the bank to get their money and try to survive and hang on to what little bit they had left. But what did George do? He thought of others and he gave again. George, was it a nice wedding? Gosh, I wanted to be there. Yeah. You can take this one off now. Now, just remember that this thing isn't as black as it appeared. news for you folks. I just talking to old man Potter and he's guaranteed cash payments to the bank. The bank's going to reopen next week. But George, I got my money here. Did he guarantee this place? Well, no, Charlie. I didn't even ask him. We don't need Potter over here. But I'll take mine now. No, but you're, you're, you're thinking of this place all wrong as if I had the money back in a safe. The, the money's not here. Well, your money's in Joe's house. That's right next to yours. And in the Kennedy house and Mrs. Maitland's house and, and a hundred others. Uh, you're lending them the money to build, and then they're going to pay it back to you as best they can. Now, what are you going to do, foreclose on them? I got $242 in here, and $242 isn't going to break anybody. Okay, Tom. All right. Here you are. You sign this. You get your money in 60 days. 60 days? Well, now, that's what you agreed to when you bought your shares. Tom! Tom! Did you get your money? No. Well, I did. Old man Potter will pay 50 cents on the dollar for every share you've got. 50 cents on the dollar? Yes, cash. Well, what do you say? No, Tom, you have to stick to your original agreement. Now, give us 60 days on this. Okay, thing. Randall. Are you going to Potter's? Better to get half than nothing. Tom! Tom! Randall! Now, Randall, wait. Now, wait. Now, listen. Now, listen to me. I, I beg of you not to do this thing. If Potter gets a hold of this building and alone, there'll never be another decent house built in this town. He's already got charge of the bank, he's got the bus line, he's got the department stores, and now he's after us. Why? 
Well, it's very simple, because we're cutting in on his business, that's why. And because he wants to keep you living in his slums and paying the kind of rent he decides. Joe, you had one of those Potter houses, didn't you? Well, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what he charged you for that broken down shack? Here, Ed, you know, you remember last year when things weren't going so well and you couldn't make your payments? Well, you didn't lose your house, did you? You think Potter would have let you keep it? Can't you understand what's happening here? Don't you see what's happening? Potter isn't selling, Potter's buying. And why? Because we're panicky and he's not, that's why. He's picking up some bargain. Now, we, we can get through this thing, all right. We, we've got to stick together, though. We've got to have faith in each other. But my husband hasn't worked in over a year, and I need money. How am I going to live until the bank opens? i got doctor bills to pay. I need cash. I can't I keep my kids on faith. I've got to have... How much do you need? Hey! I got $2,000. Here's $2,000. This will tide us over to the bank reopens. All right, Tom, how much do you need? $242. Oh, Tom, just enough to tide you over until the bank reopens. I'll take $242. There you are. That'll close my account. Your account's still here. That's a loan. Okay. All right, Ed. Well, I got $300 here, George. All right, now, Ed, what will it take until the bank opens? What, what do you need? Well, I, I suppose... $20? $20. Now you're talking. Thanks, Ed. That's fine. All right. Now, Miss Thompson, how much do you want? But it's your own money, now, George. Don't mind about that. How much do you want well, now? I can get along with $20, all right. $20. Fine. And I'll sign there the paper. You, you don't have to sign anything. I know. You, you pay when you can. That's okay. All right, Miss Davis. Could I have $17.50? <laughs> That's your heart. Of course you can have it. You got 50 cents? Seven. We're going to make it, George. Six. It'll never close us up today. Five. Four. Three. Two, one, bingo! We made it! Close the door, you sis. We made it. Look, look, we're still in business. We still got two bucks left. Yay! Oh, wow. You see what was happening there? Was it George? Two things we, we didn't have time to really develop a lot in, in, with the clips, but... But Mr. Potter across town had another loan association and he was trying to undercut and trying to do everything he could to take care of George and get him out of business so that he could acquire all of that. So, so Mr. Potter was kind of like a, a nemesis for, uh, for George. And the other thing we didn't have time to really develop with that clip was when they were all coming to get their money and try to salvage their life because they felt like they were going to lose it all in, in the depression. His wife across the other side of the bank says, I've got some money. And what you, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to give part of the punchline away, <laughs> is that they were getting, they had just gotten married and at their reception, people would bring money and gift cards and put it in there. And so they were so excited because they had taken all of those gift cards and put that money together and said, and they were on their way out of town to take a great trip, a honeymoon trip, and the banks crashed. So he turns around and he runs back to try to encourage the people. And then his wife comes up and says, I'll give all we got to help you survive. You see, a wonderful life is in giving. And they were willing to give whatever it meant to help others and help someone else survive. Willing to give it all. See, that's the way Jesus was. He was willing to give it all. Earlier in that clip, as, it, as I think it might have been the first clip, but as it started, there was something underneath the picture on the wall that was his father, George Bailey's father, who had died. And it says this, all you can take with you is that which you have 
given away. I'll say it again. All you can take with you is that which you have given away. See, that's what Christmas is, is giving of ourselves and giving away. If you want to live a wonderful life, then live to give. When this life is over, you can't take your wealth. You can't take your materials, your knowledge, your vacations. None of those things. None of those things. You know, I've never seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul. You know... You got a point. <laughs> All of these things we're trying to acquire in life and add up and say, oh, look, boy, we have done good. And sit back and relax. None of those things are going to be here after we're gone. The very things we think will add to our life ends up robbing us of our life. We spend so much time trying to acquire and trying to get and trying to achieve and all of this stuff that... It pulls at us before we realize that we've lost time with our children. We've lost time with our family. We've given up a lot in order to acquire that which we cannot keep. And I can't repeat that one again. It was, it was a big mouth. But you, you understand where we're coming from this morning. All of those things that you think will bring you joy end up robbing you of the very joy. Near the end of the film, George's business partner, his uncle had misplaced $8,000. Now, $8,000 to us is like, in our time in economy, it's like $150,000. Anybody can afford to misplace $150,000? <laughs> Not likely. And when that happened, George realized that now everything that he had lost, he didn't go to college, he didn't be, wasn't able to do all these things, and now his business is going downhill, and they've lost $8,000 and don't know where it is. He was willing to take the fall for it, and if it meant even go to jail for embezzlement. I'll do whatever. I just don't want the people to suffer. I don't want them to have to go through something worse and more negative. I mean, remember... Our opening verse, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When things start falling in and caving in and you think you've lost it all and you've misplaced a lot or you just flat lost it. Or maybe someone in your neighborhood or your family or your friends, someone around you is at that point. They've lost it all. It's over. And we start blaming people and things and companies. How many know that it's the enemy who comes to steal kill and destroy don't blame someone else it's their fault they did this to me recognize where the enemy is the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy but he says I come that you might have life I can restore to you you may feel like you've done it all you've tried it all you've given up all this stuff maybe you're stuck in the same town you grew up in Anybody feel that way? Don't raise your hand. Your family's sitting next to you. You're at that point of despair. George just wanted to get out of Cedar Falls, and here he's stuck there. He wanted to become an architect. Here he is, the same business his dad was in. He didn't want it. Maybe that's where you are or someone in your family is. And when that happens, 
Sometimes we're at the brink of making a fateful decision. I didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? To save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Oh, where do you come from? Heaven. I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you tried to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you, then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody. AS2, what, what, what's that AS2? Angel, second class. Cheerio, my good man. say just a minute ago why do you want to save me that's what i was sent down for i'm your guardian angel i wouldn't be a bit surprised ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money eight thousand dollars yeah now think just things like that how do you know that i told you i'm your guardian angel i know everything about you well you look about like the kind of an angel i'd get sort of a fallen angel aren't you what happened to your wings? I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. 
I don't know whether I like it very much being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, I've got to earn them. And you'll help me, won't you? Sure, sure. How? By letting me help you. One way you can help me. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you. Oh, you? no, no. We don't use money in heaven. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I keep forgetting it. Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Oh, tut, tut, tut. Uh, I found it out a little late. I'm worth more dead than alive. Now, look, you mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. If it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be a lot better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. I mean, look, little fella, why you go off and haunt somebody else, No, you? now you don't understand. I've got my job. Oh, shut up, will you? Oh, this isn't going to be so easy. Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, I'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. You don't have to make all that fuss about it. What'd you say? You've never been born. You don't exist. You haven't a care in the world. No worries, no obligations, no $8,000 to get, no potter looking for you with a sheriff. Say something else in that ear. Sure, you can hear out of it. What's well, a doggone thing? I haven't heard anything out of that ear since I was a kid. Must be that jump in that cold water. Isn't it amazing that when he has an encounter with the spiritual, he heard what he couldn't hear before. I'm praying that's what happens with us. You see, when his brother almost drowned years earlier and went into the pond, he went in and tried to save his brother and lost his hearing in the process. And now this angel comes and gives him a, quote, revelation, and he's going to begin to show him things, and now he hears what he couldn't hear before. And I'm hoping that through today we begin to hear something from the Lord that we haven't heard before. We begin to get the message that he's trying to get across to us. That Christmas and the wonderful life is about living to give, and second, it's about living with contentment, realizing what you do have. You see, George was so focused on his own goals and his own dreams that he failed to appreciate what he had right there next to him. But he would learn through this film, and I hope us, that we begin to see it. Don't get so focused on what you want to do, what you want to acquire, what you want to get and grab, that you forget what is right there and you've missed the contentment life that Jesus has given you. You see, there is so much around us and we affect so many people that we forget it. We forget what's involved. And as you see, as you watch the film this week, <laughs> that there are things that he didn't realize. Had he not been born, his brother would not have lived. He would have drowned. Had he not been born, he would have not his met, have met the woman he came to marry. 
He would not have the children that he had. Are you starting to think about your own life? The things that we've checked off and said, well, if I just had this and I just had the other, and we forget what we do have. We make our Christmas wish list. Oh, I wish I could have this and this and this. And like last week, they talked about the Sears Roback catalog that probably some of us never heard of. But as a kid, I remember getting that big old wish book. So we called it Sears Roebuck. Man, it would look like a Webster's Dictionary. And we'd sit down and we'd flip through those pages. And I couldn't write in it because I'd get in trouble if I marked it and circled it. So I dog-eared the top. <laughs> oh, I want this. And flip it over. And, oh, yeah. Oh, this is a special page. So I'd fold half of the page down. We're making a whole list of the things that we want and we want to get. But we need to make a list of the things that we already have. And we'll find out that that list gets a whole lot longer than things we want. Learn to live with contentment and you'll learn it's a wonderful life. Because when you give up and you want to just get rid of it all, you'll miss out. He never realized how important and impactful his life was until he began to see these things. Don't wait for that to happen to you. Oh, do you hear me? Do you hear him? Do you hear the Spirit speaking to you this morning? Don't wait for something to happen and then you find out what you missed. But rather learn to live with contentment today. You see, until he was given the chance, he couldn't see what life would be without him. man's life touches so many other lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Well, I've heard of things like this. You've got me in some kind of a spell or something. Well, I'm going to get out of it. I'll get out of it. I know how, too. I... Now, the last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Well, sure I know where he lives. He lives in Bailey Park. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? We went here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? See what a mistake it would be to throw it all away? See what a mistake it would be if we missed what's on our blessing list? Live with contentment. There's people around you who are at that point of despair and they're looking for somebody to tell them the answer. And the answer is live to give and live with contentment. Recognize the blessings that you have. And then number three, live with purpose. You may not be living the life you always wanted in your first evaluation of it. 
You may be like George. A lot of the things that you wished for and tried for and wanted to acquire turned out differently. How many know that life sends you a lot of curves? But isn't it fun to ride the curves? If we'll recognize our blessings. Live with purpose. To live a wonderful life, you have to live with God-given purpose. What is that purpose? What is your purpose in life? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There's purpose to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's already been working in advance in your life. He's been planning it out. It's up to us to do what he has created for us to do. We are God's masterpiece, a handiwork, something good. He didn't say, you are God's mistake. Well, it didn't quite work out the way I had designed, Laurel. So I'll start on another one. Don't beat yourself up. Realize that you are a masterpiece. I can't imagine I'm saying that. I'm a masterpiece. I'm going to tell my wife when I get home. (laughs) We are a masterpiece. We're God's handiwork. He has created us ahead of time knowing what we would do. Long before you even had a thought. Let me read Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. It's not a mystery hidden to find out what God's purpose is. He says this, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Do it. Do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you're going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. That doesn't sound like a real exciting verse, part of it anyway. For in the realm of the dead, where you're going, guess what? None of us are getting out of here alive. Announcement. (laughs) Unless the Lord comes first. But otherwise, whatever you find to do, whatever God places in your path, whatever he puts at your hands, do it with all your might. And how? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Man, that's our purpose. Whatever you're doing, whatever God's created you to do, whatever he's placed in your path, whatever opportunity and job you have, do it to the glory of God. Do it with purpose. Do it with excitement. Say, Lord, thank you for the place that you've placed me in so that I can do it for you. And this is my favorite. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 says, You are... You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. But instead, they put it on its stand and it gives life to everyone in the house. Not just you, but to everyone in the house. So he said in the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I got a gift for you this morning. Are you ready? Here it is. Anybody getting it? I'm see. I'm, I'm making sure everybody gets a little bit of this light here. Oh yeah, I see some of you squinting. Woo! 
Oh, yeah, that's pretty bright light. That means you got a lot inside of you. I don't want to miss anybody. I want to make sure everybody gets. Do I see that hand? Some preachers say. <laughs> well, look, even in the balcony. Oh, my goodness. And the AV guy said, don't do that again in the camera. <laughs> you have the light of the world. You have the light of the world in you. You are the light of the world. He said, in the same way, let your light so shine before men. I should have told the AV guys, just turn the flashing lights on all at once. Just have them scanning and flying everywhere and really get you guys awake. But he says, you are the light of the world. You are, you are, you are, you are. I am. We are the light of the world. So let your light so shine before others that they may see what? Your good works. You see, what you're doing is a good work because that's what he's designed you to do. And they may see your good works and do what? Glorify you? Put your name in headlights? No. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, that's living with purpose. That's learning to live the wonderful life. So right now, your purpose is to do what you do for God. Give your light to the world. In Luke 6, 38, he says, give away your life and you'll find life given back but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Check it out. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You. George. Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car pile into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you. Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you. Have you seen my wife? 
Mary Where's your mother? We're looking for you. Who's Uncle Billy? Daddy! Zozo, Zozo, my little ginger snap. How do you feel? Fine. Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. Ah, hallelujah. Hello. George. George, darling. Where George, darling. Where are you? Oh, George. Where are you? George. George. Oh, George. Oh, my George. Are you real? Oh, George. George. You have no idea what happened. Well, come on, George. Come on downstairs. Quick, they're on their way. All right. Come on. Come on in here, then. Now you stand right over here by the tree. Right there. And don't move. Don't move. What's happening? Wow. Oh, I hear them coming now. George, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Who's going to come, Daddy? Who, Daddy? Come in, Uncle Bill. Mary did it, George. Mary did it. She told some people you were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions, just said, George in trouble. And tell me, you spread like spread like Another run on the bank? Here, George. Merry Christmas. Now, don't move. Don't There we are. The line farm's on the right. From London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh.
the fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Harry, how about your banquet in New York? Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. <laughs> present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. a boy, Clarence. some degree we're all like George Bailey we've looked at our life and we've compared ourselves and we said well I don't have the wonderful life that I wanted but yet we've missed the blessings that give us that wonderful life in order to have it you live to give give and live with contentment and then recognize your purpose live with purpose we can relate to the twists and turns and the things that happen in our life the same things that happen to George may be similar Maybe you feel like, well, I'm just, I'm just not there yet. You can be. If you center on the one thing that made it all difference, and that is Jesus. Are you living to give? Are you living with contentment? And are you living with purpose? The way to do that is live with Jesus at the center of your life. Live with Jesus at the center of your life. Don't wait for God to send you an angel to earn his wings. My wife says, if I have a guardian angel, when I get to heaven, he's going into retirement because he's worked so hard to keep me out of trouble and danger. <laughs> I hope he's gotten his wings by now. They probably got band-aids and braces on them. I don't know. But you see how we're looking for somebody else to save us, something to bail us out when it's all right there. Don't look for another life. Recognize the life that Jesus Christ has given you and live it with purpose. It is a rich and satisfying life. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.